Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message today and um, we don't have some super cool new graphic because our series that we're starting today is simply titled Empowered to Follow Jesus. So we're going to talk about what we always talk about. We're going to look through the word over the next couple weeks of what it means to be empowered to follow Jesus. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, if you're new here, like this is our mission. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is, this is what God has clearly spoken to us is that we are all about empowering people to follow Jesus. And we need to be empowered to follow Jesus if we're going to empower others to follow Jesus. And so today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. And before I begin reading in verse 1, if you backed up uh, to chapter 9, especially how chapter 9 ends in verse 35, it tells us that Jesus went into all uh, the cities and villages teaching, preaching, and healing people. And then um, he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them, and he begins to talk about them, and he, and he tells the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that's how chapter 9 ends. Chapter 10, verse 1 is where we're going to begin. But remember, when Jesus was speaking these things, um, even when these things were written, they weren't written in chapter and verse. So Jesus says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he says in chapter 10, verse 1, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So here Jesus tells them, listen, we need to be going out into the harvest. Here's part of what it means and a big part of what it means to be a disciple. It's not just who you are, but it's about going out. And he calls to him his 12 disciples. Now, in church world, we talk about that. And I just said it, like, right, if you're called to ministry. But if you're not churched, if you are new to all this or you didn't grow up in church like I didn't, and maybe you're not really sure what that even means, whenever you see calling, most of the time in the New Testament, and, and this is is the case here. When you see the word called, it just means invited. It is what it means. Jesus invited. When, you, when somebody talks about their calling, they're talking about um, an invitation into the reason that they were created, an invitation into their purpose. So here, uh, Jesus is called to him, his 12 disciples. He's invited them to come to him. And here's what we need to remember is Jesus has invited you to come to him, not just to give you or to give him your life, not just salvation, but he has an invitation for you, and that invitation is found by coming to him. He wants all of us to come to him. But here in this specific example, he is inviting these 12 disciples to come to him, and as they come, he is giving them authority, or he's giving them power. He's giving them power. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And then he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. There's other translations that say, so go. So he's saying, I've been given all power, and I'm going to give you power to go and make disciples. Jesus empowers us to do everything that he asks us to do. Everything that he tells you to do, everything that you read that, he, that applies to you for you to do, he gives you the power to do it. Now, here, he's given the 
the disciples a specific assignment. He's giving them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Now, what's amazing about this is this is a specific assignment and specific power that he's giving to the disciples for this time, for this reason. But he's given you the same power. He's given me the same power. He's given us the same power. He's given us power to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. He's given us power to cast out demons. He's given us every spiritual authority and power that we need to do everything that he asks us to do. And when the Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick and we will see them recover, it's not because we have the power. It's because of Jesus living in us that that power is available. So it's not about, oh, now I'm amazing and I have all this power and I can do all these amazing things. And look, if you need anything, just come to me because I'm the man. No, no, no. It's not about any of that. But it's about Jesus living on the inside of me, living on the inside of you. And just like he gave his disciples power in this time for this assignment, he's given it to you in the times and the assignments that he's asked you to walk out. Here he gives them this power. But listen, the disciples didn't, they didn't, they couldn't do this on their own. They'd been walking with Jesus. They'd seen Jesus do miraculous things. So maybe they'd had some training on this, but they didn't have the power to do this. If I were to tell you, like, okay, as soon as we leave today, I want you to go wherever you're going to eat, and I want you to find somebody that needs um, demons cast out of them or unclean spirits, anybody who's sick, I want you to walk right up to them, and I want you to heal them. We'd be like, uh, uh, Pastor, um, I'd have a line after service, like, hey, what do you want? How do I do that? Well, I can't, I don't have the, I don't know, I can't, I don't, and I, and you know what? And I'd be like, yeah, I know you can't. You don't have that power. You don't have that ability. You, 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 that's not, that's not naturally in you. But Jesus here is giving them, giving these disciples a, an assignment that they clearly couldn't do on their own. But at the same time, He's giving them the power to be able to do it. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit here. But so many times we start talking about things, even as Christians, and, and we begin to uh, get away from the truth of the Scriptures. And, and we say, like, okay, well, you know, I just can't do that. I, I just can't stop that. Oh, well, well, yeah, yeah, that's for you or that's for somebody who knows Jesus more or prays more or whatever. Like, but I can't do those things. I'm not able to do those things. Like, like Pastor, you need to be the one to pray for people if they're sick. Not me. I, I can't do that. I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't. And, and we begin to say these things. We even begin to believe these things. And we think that, you know, God will never ask us to do something that we're not able to do. Because we throw out scriptures like, well, God won't put more on me than I can bear. But you know what? If you follow Jesus long enough, I can guarantee you a few things. And one of those things is he will ask you to do something that you can't do. If you follow him closely, this becomes a routine where he continually, consistently asks you to do things that you can't do. (laughs) 
I, I, I can speak from experience and I can speak from scripture. Like go back through the scripture. When you look at the Old Testament, these people that we're like, oh, they're so amazing. And inevitably when God tells them to do something, they're like, I can't do that. God, you have the wrong person. <laughs> Me? There's no way. I don't even speak well. What do you want me to do? What? what? Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. Like, no, no. Inevitably, God is going to ask you, if you follow him, he's going to ask you to do things that you can't do. And sometimes, that's just simply when we read the Bible and it tells us to forgive our enemies and love our enemies. Like, <laughs> I can't do that. That's not the way I'm set up. I'm not set up that way. Or he tells us not even to look at a woman with lust or we've already committed adultery in our heart. Like, oh, God, no, I, I, that's, not, that's not the way you made me. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> like, I, I can't do that. And we begin to believe these lies. They are lies. Jesus is giving the disciples an assignment that they cannot fulfill on their own. And at the same time, He's given them authority and the power to do it. If you read verse 2, 3, and 4, they go and they name the 12 apostles and disciples. I'd encourage you to go back and read those. Let's skip over to verse 5. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. When you're talking about doing and being who God's called you to be, when you're talking about being empowered to follow Jesus, you need to go out when, when Jesus sends you out. You don't need to go out on your own. See, sometimes we get in trouble because we go out and we're just like, I'm just going to do this and these spirits are going to come out or I'm going to do this. You're going to see this miraculous thing. You're going to be healed. And we just, and like Jesus didn't send us out. Like you're going out on your own. And, And the danger in that is not just in that moment. The danger in that is you begin to have these experiences where you realize God didn't come through like I thought he was going to come through. And man, this breaks my heart, and I hear it over and over and over, not just from Christians, from people in spiritual leadership, where their experiences determine their theology. So I've never never prayed for somebody, and they actually were healed, so this can't be true for me. Or I I was listening to a pastor friend of mine the other day, and and he was, and I don't even know how, but he got on talking about um, laying hands on sick and seeing them recovered and miracles and people getting healed, and I mean, he went off and it was like there is no way that is not of God God can do that he can do it on his own but but God does not use people and he doesn't and and I mean he's just going off why because of experience because of experience see one of the things you've heard my story one of the things that, that you will never be able to convince me of is that God doesn't heal like I know God heals That is one of the things that propelled my faith and my belief in God was I was sitting on the campus of Oral Roberts University with a a foot that was in a boot and it was, my ankle was was broken and and a a lady said somebody's ankle's getting healed right now and I got out of that boot and practiced basketball that day. You, You can't tell me. But see, when, when, you, when, you, when you don't step out when Jesus tells you to step out, or when you step out when he doesn't tell you to, and you, these experiences don't happen to you, and maybe it's the opposite where you believe in God and that person actually makes their transition, they die, they go to heaven, and you're like, God, I can't reconcile this, I don't know how to, and, 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 then, and then that begins to shape what you really believe, and you start to make this fit your experience instead of your experience fit this. 
And so it's not just about in that moment seeing God come through, but it shapes your experiences, and those experiences fight with your theology on a consistent basis. Jesus sent the 12 out, and he, and he sent them out instructing them. So he's already given them the assignment and the power to go out and cast out uh, and, and heal every disease and every affliction, but now he's giving them instruction. And whenever Jesus sends you out, he will give you the instructions that you need. He gives you the general instructions through the scriptures. But the more you learn to hear his voice and follow his ways, he'll give you the specific structure, instructions for every single assignment that he gives you. And he says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I don't have time to get into uh, the reasoning for this, but I can tell you this just very quickly and very to the point that, that the gospel and Jesus was first to the house of Israel and then to the Gentiles. Now, he needed the disciples it's a, I don't, we don't have time for that. But he's giving them instructions. And then, and he says in verse 7, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers who were the unclean. That everybody at this time believed and saw that if you touched lepers that you would get leprosy. So to actually cleanse them took a whole lot of faith because it wasn't just about the illness, the affliction that they had, but it was about this might get on me. And you know, man, so many Christians get stuck there even today. Especially the ones who, uh, let me not be judgmental. Like I can't be around you because your, your sin might get on me. Like that tattoo that I think is a sin might just jump off and end up on my arm. Like, no, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, 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 now yes, the company you keep is, is important and it's influential. But listen, if, if anybody and everybody that you talk to every single day is, is just saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and amazing Christians, then you're missing it. And does that mean that you need to be best friends with people who are just way out there? No, but you need to have some form of relationship at some point because otherwise you might as well go to heaven where we all don't struggle with these things. And cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. So again, he's giving them this assignment that is naturally impossible for them. But then Jesus, as he always does, he goes a step further with this. You receive without paying, give without pay. So as you do these amazing things, don't even take anything in return. When people try to bless you, when they try to give to you, don't even take it. Because you're not the one doing this anyway. You've received these things. You're empowered to do everything God's called you to do. And you didn't earn it. And you didn't pay for it. So don't, don't take anything for it. And then he just keeps going. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. He's saying, not only am I sending you out to do the impossible, but don't take anything with you. Don't take any of your, any of, any of your comforts, any of your resources. Don't take any money. Don't, don't take any extra clothes. Don't, don't, don't take any of that. Just Go and do what I've asked you to do, and as you go, uh, in the ESV here, it, it, says, um, it says the labor deserves his food. It says that you'll be provided for. This is, this is walk by faith, not by sight. This is just go where I tell you to go, do what I tell you to do, take what I tell you to take, don't take what I don't tell you to take. 
Jesus is making this not just impossible, but unnecessarily impossible. Like they have things they can take that will make this easier for them. And Jesus is saying, do not take them. Now, before, again, you take a few verses or your experiences and you try to make this your own theology, we're talking about one instance here. There's another instance where Jesus talks about this. But he doesn't tell them to go out and always leave everything behind. He tells them to always be willing to leave everything behind. But he doesn't tell them to always leave everything behind. Like, in other words, this is not a call to poverty as a Christian. This is not a call to sell everything you have and just give it to the poor and, and, and never, never receive anything, never have anything, always go without. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's giving them an assignment that is impossible and it is unnecessarily impossible. And I promise you, if you follow Jesus long enough, he will give you assignments that are not just impossible, but he will make them unnecessarily impossible. Like, like Jesus, I could do this if you would just let me bring this with me. Because, see, there's some things that I have. I got some belts. I got some tunics. I got some sandals. I got a little bit of money. If I could just take these things with me, then I could go do what it is that you're telling me to do. And Jesus sometimes will tell you, no, don't do that. Don't, don't take that. Why? Because, see, you start taking those things that, that give you comfort, that you think you need to do that, then inevitably what happens is you put your faith, your trust, you give the glory, you give the honor to those things. I was able to do that because. And maybe you verbalize that and maybe you never verbalize that. But there are times and there are seasons and there are assignments that God will give you and he will make them impossible and he will make them unnecessarily impossible in part because he has given you the power to do what he's told you to do. And he wants you to recognize that nobody else gave you that. No thing, no person, no money, no status, no position. None of that is the reason that you are able to do that. You are able to do that because of the power that Jesus gave you. And sometimes that's the way he sends you out. And then he goes in verse 11, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. Now, this just jumps out at me. This jumps out at me because, listen, so many times as Christians, we think we can live this life on our own. We think we can live this life by just me and Jesus or, or me and Jesus and my family, me and my four and no more, right? But no, we need others. I'm, t- I'm t- oh, man. I am so, this is so clear when you go throughout the scripture, like you need other people. Being empowered to follow Jesus is not like tennis. You know, tennis is an individual sport. I'm not talking about doubles, I'm talking about singles. Tennis is an individual sport. My dad played tennis in college. He was amazing. My dad was like 60 years old. I was in the prime of my athletic career. I mean, I was, I was, I like, I, I had, I had like, I had like lines in my stomach. Like I was I could run for days. And my dad, he couldn't move. He couldn't move at all. I mean, he was old, and he couldn't move. And we would go play tennis, and we would go play tennis. My dad would dominate me. I mean, and I had great coordination. Like, I was an athlete. I mean, I'm using past tense because I'm more and more I think that's, those days are over with. But, but, but we would go out there, and my dad would hit that ball, and he'd put this top spin on it, and I'd be ready, and it'd hit, and all of a sudden it'd be in. I mean, it would be so fast, I'd hit it like, I'd, I'd hit it over the fence. 
I was like, okay, I, I got you, Dad. I'm ready. And then, and, and, and the next time, I'm ready because if he hits that again, I'm hitting it back. And not only am I hitting it back, but he's got no shot because my dad can't move. Like, he can't move at this point. And my dad hits the ball, and he cuts it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for it, and it just stops like 10 feet ahead of me. And I'm like, finally, I hit one back, and my dad's got me running side to side. I cannot get him to move. I mean, he's just sitting there. And I'm, and he, I mean, he ain't even sweating at the end of, (sighs) why? Because tennis is an individual sport. It's about, is he better than me? Me versus him. And so many times we think our Christianity, our life is me versus somebody else. Me versus Satan, me versus my enemy, me versus my opponent. And we're running back and forth and because that's not the game. The game is not like tennis. It's not an individual sport. It's not you versus somebody else. It's more like the best game on earth, which is basketball. <laughs> right? Because in basketball, you, you could be LeBron James, and you may not be going to the playoffs. I'm just saying. If you've been around, I'm not really a fan of LeBron. So... I'm sure he won't ever watch this, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but in basketball, you, you need more than one player. You need a team. You need some other guys, some other gals that you can pass the ball to that can play defense, that may be able to make a shot or two, that, 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 that can do some things. Like you need a team to be able to win in basketball. And our walk with Christ, our following Jesus is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. See, you need other people. Jesus is saying, when you go into these towns, you need to find somebody that's going to help you because you got nothing. I'm sending you with nothing. You need to find some people that you can stay with that will be the resources that that you need. And and listen, here's the good news. God's already put those people in place. You just need to find your team. See, being empowered to follow Jesus, yes, Jesus gives you the power to do everything that he asks you to do. But there's another level of power. There's additional power that's available when you find your team. And where you are right now, you need to find your team. Where Jesus is sending you, you need to find your team. And there's some people that are on your team here that won't be on your team there. There's some people that'll be on your team here that'll walk with you and they'll be on your team through the journey, but when you get there, they won't be on your team there. There'll be some new team members there. There'll be some that that stay all the way through, but there'll be some that are on your team for now. They're on your team now until LeBron trades them, or until, until, (laughs) until, get back to the scriptures, back to the scriptures. But but there's, there's, we all need other people people enter the house and greet as you enter the house greet if the house is worthy let your peace or your blessing come upon it but if it is not worthy let your peace return to you and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words shake the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town truly I say to you it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town you look at this Jesus is saying, go do what I'm telling you to do. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to put people in place that are going to help you. You're not able to bring anything, but that's okay because I got somebody in place that's going to give you everything that you need. And when you get there, if they're not willing to do what I've asked them to do, don't argue with them. Don't fight with them. Don't, one of the commentaries I read about this said, said don't, don't scream into deaf ears. 
I've heard this said, and, and this is so good. It's your job to empty your cup. It's not your job to fill somebody else's. It's my job to give you what God tells me to give you. It is not my job to make sure that your cup gets full. And so many times what we do is we, we, like we want to argue and we want to fight and we want to battle and we want to get louder. And we want to say homosexuality is wrong and, and abortion is wrong. And we, we want to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And do we need to stand for our convictions and what we believe the scripture is clear about? Absolutely. But at some point, you're screaming into deaf ears. And when you're talking about what, what Jesus has empowered and called you to do, Go do what he's told you to do. Don't worry about the other people. He's got people in place for you. And if they don't obey, shake the dust off and go to the next one. Because, see, when they were walking, they were walking in sandals. They were walking in dirt. They were walking in dust. And to shake the dust off was symbolic of not only are you not receiving and you're not listening, but I'm done with you. The dust, I'm done, I'm done with you. And, and listen, listen, I don't want you to take that and, and give that as an excuse to become cold-hearted to people who won't listen to you or, or won't do whatever it is that God's called you to do. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is not mean-spirited. This is about I am not going to argue with you. I am not going to go back and forth. Now, there are times when God will have you do that. There are times where God will have you continue to pursue someone and pray for someone and reach out to someone and share with someone. But more times than not, when you look through the scriptures, it's like shake the dust off. And when you read the shake, it's like a violent shake. It's like I'm getting all of this dust off of my foot. Not just, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm getting this off. I'm done with this. And man, this is... This is important because when Jesus has empowered you and he sent you out to do something, he's given you an assignment, but you get caught up trying to stay with somebody who's not, doesn't want you to stay, and God's not telling you to stay, then you're becoming distracted, frustrated, drained, you're losing time, you're losing opportunity. To go and do what Jesus has asked you to do. Sometimes we just need to shake the dust off. We need to move on. We need to give to those who want it. And that's one of the things that I've, as a pastor, I've just, I've just, I've just settled is if you want it, I'll give it to you. And I'm not talking about like money or I'm talking about spiritual things. Uh, uh, and I said this to the, our discipleship group that I went through the, the year with last year. Like, hey, I'm here for you. As much as you want, I'll give it to you. But I'm not, I'm not leaving my family, my kids, my wife. I'm not leaving uh, time with them to go and try to give somebody something that they don't want. I'm not talking about evangelism. I'm talking about discipleship now. I'm talking about I will pour out everything God has poured in me to you. But if you don't want it, number one, it's not going to be effective. Number two, like I'm not going to sacrifice for the people who do want it to give to the people who don't want it. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to keep praying for you. But I'm going to shake the dust off and I'm going to move on. There's some people like, well, pastor, you have favorites. I don't have favorites. There's some people who want it more. Amen. 
Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Let God judge them. You're not judging Sodom and Gomorrah. You're not judging. You know, you, that's not your place. You don't need to do that. When you shake the dust off, when you move on, there's no hard feelings. There is love. There is prayer. There is compassion. It may be if there's forgiveness needed. But listen, you don't need to then wrap yourself up in this, in this emotional and physical and even spiritual whirlwind of trying to make somebody be something, do something, hear something that they're not willing or ready to do. Move on and let God judge. In verse 16, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now, now let me see this. God is giving them an assignment, but he's giving them the fullness of it. He's not just telling them the fluff and everything's going to be great. And man, you're going to go out and you're going to heal people and it's going to be amazing and they're going to love me and they're going to love you and your life's going to be easy. No, no, no. No, this is going to require some sacrifice. The, the, you're going to be beaten. You're going to be brought before influential people. They're going to mock you. They're going to beat you. This is, this is not going to be easy. And so many times when we talk about being empowered to follow Jesus, we have this mindset that following Jesus is going to be easy because we have God's power. Because we're God's sons. We're his daughters. We have this and we have that. And man, look at all these promises. And so it's going to be easy. It's not easy. And God never promised that it would be easy. Because there is an enemy in this world. And he's coming to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's coming. And, and I'm telling you, he's coming. And he's been coming and he's not going to allow it to be easy. And there are people in this world that are deceived. And their eyes are closed. And they may go as far as, as, as not just talking about you, but trying to harm you in some way. And at some point, you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to give up to follow Jesus? Because in a minute, I'm going to give an invitation. If you want to know Jesus, man, we're going to pray for you. We're going to give you, it's very simple, it's very clear, it's very powerful. But, but, but after that, what are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give your life? Are you willing to give your time? Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are, are you willing to, to, to obey him and go somewhere where it is impossible and he makes it unnecessarily impossible? Or is this only about you? Because if it's only about you, then when he tells you to go out and do the unnecessarily impossible, you're not going. Like, if you go, you're going to take your money and your sandals and your extra clothes. And when you do that, when you do that, you're going in your own power. Not in the power that Jesus is giving you. And the power that Jesus is giving you, it doesn't make everything easy. Yes, you may face hardship. You may face people trying to attack you. You may, you, may, you may face things that you would have never faced had you actually not done what God told you to do. I got to go for time. Let's skip down to verse 22. It says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Are you willing to be hated Y'all have heard me say it over and over. I've never been hated until I became a pastor. <laughs> and I, I didn't, God didn't tell me that I would be hated after I became a pastor. That, might, that would have been a big deal for me. That was the hardest part for me. Maybe the second hardest part. People didn't like me. Anymore. That was a big deal. 
And maybe that's not as deep for you, but for some of you I know it is. It bothers you when people don't like you. Are you, are you willing? <laughs> Tony, I like you too, man. Oh my God, man. Tony, I had a, I had a dramatic point there. I was, I was, okay, in second service, we're recording. I need, I need that dramatic moment there. So if you stay in second service, just know we're good. It was hard for me that people didn't like me. Tony wasn't here when I first took over. I wish Tony was here. But are you willing to have people not like you for his name's sake? Are you willing to have people not like you because you're obeying Jesus? Because here's, here's what it says at the end of verse 22. But the one who endures, the one who endures, not the one who's the smartest, not the one who's the strongest, not the one who's the most articulate, the most charismatic, not the most beautiful, not the most handsome, but the one who endures. Man. Our, our church has been growing, and I was talking to somebody um, recently, and, and they said, wow, like, what, what, what happened? And, and like, what'd you do? And what, what, what God do? And I was like, listen, listen, we, we didn't do anything different. We haven't done anything different. But now we finally hit a point where we've just been consistent. We've endured. We've just been consistent. Just consistent. Enduring, faithful, consistent. Enduring, faithful, consistent. Enduring, faithful, consistent. Letting Jesus empower us so that we can go and empower others. It's the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's the one who endures to the end that will be saved. We need to become a little more tough as Christians and endure and not just get through the moment, get through the day, get through the week, but keep obeying, keep following even when it's impossible, even when it's unnecessarily impossible. Because here's the deal. This is not the only time that, that Jesus did something or God did something that was impossible. Now, let me tell you this before, before I read these thoughts that I have. These disciples, when you read the other accounts of this, they went out and it says that people were healed, demons were cast out. Like they did all of this stuff that Jesus gave them the power and instructed them to do. But this is not the only time. When bushes are on fire but not burning up, that's impossible. When the Red Sea moves out of the way so a group of people can pass through it and the, dry be and the ground becomes dry, that, that's, that's impossible. Being thrown into a fiery furnace and coming out not even smelling like smoke, that, that's, that's impossible. Being thrown into a lion's den full of hungry lions and leaving the next morning alive, that is impossible. Water coming out of a rock to give drink to a group of people, that is impossible. Getting Pharaoh to give away all his free labor, that is impossible. Knocking down fortified cities walls with a shout from a group of people, that is literally impossible. Defeating an army of over 100,000 with only 300 men, that is impossible. Hundreds of prophecies about Jesus being fulfilled in that one man is impossible. It is impossible. Mary, being a virgin, having Jesus, I don't know if you know this, that's impossible. That, that's impossible. That is not how that works. 
Turning water into wine is impossible. Healing blind men is impossible. Having and telling a paralyzed man to get up, take his bed, and walk, that's impossible. Placing an ear back onto a head after it's been cut off is impossible. A carpenter giving fishermen, professional fishermen, fishing advice and him being right, that's impossible. That is impossible. Telling a fish to swallow a coin, then jump into the net so that I can get my taxes paid is impossible. Don't try that this season. Feeding thousands with a few fish sandwiches is impossible. Stopping storms with your words is impossible. Walking through crowds that want to kill you is impossible. Raising the dead back to life is impossible. Being born again a second time is impossible. Here's the most powerful one. Telling everybody that would listen that you are going to die, but three days later, you're going to get back up and be alive again. And then... Actually doing it is impossible. God specializes in the impossible. He thrives in the impossible. He's looking for the impossible. He's inviting you into the impossible. And many times, he'll make it unnecessarily impossible. But the good news is, he is the one that gives you the power to do the impossible. He empowers you to do every single thing he asks you to do. So today, this week, this month, this year, for the rest of your life, when you read through the scriptures and you see that you should do something, you should be something, you should say something, you shouldn't do something, you shouldn't be something, you shouldn't say something, then don't ever say again that you can't do that because you can do that because a spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you and it is giving you the power to do everything that you read that you can do. You don't ever have to lie again. You don't ever have to cheat again. You don't ever have to sleep around again. You don't ever have to do drugs again. You don't ever have to be sick. You don't ever have to to, to struggle in these ways that the scripture lays out so clearly that you don't have to, but you cannot do it in your own. It is impossible through your power, through your wisdom, through your experience, through your intellect. But it is, there is nothing that is impossible with Jesus because Paul said, not, not, I am content when I have, when I don't have, no matter what state I'm in, I am content. And therefore, all things are possible through Christ who empowers me. Meaning, it doesn't matter what I'm going through in the natural. It doesn't matter what I'm experiencing right now in this moment. That All of that is irrelevant relevant because the strength and the power that God has given me allows me to be content whether this is great or allows me to be content whether this is horrible or whether it's anything in between. But if you will do what he tells you to do, he will give you the power to accomplish it. He never ever expects you to be the one to have the power to do what he tells you to do. He knows you can't stop lying. He knows you can't stop gossiping. He knows you can't stop looking at that. He, he knows those things. But he's giving you something more powerful than anything that is in your natural mind, body. He is in you, and he loves you, and he is with you to the point that you can do everything that you find in the scriptures for you to do and everything that he speaks for you to do. Every single thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. 
Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.